Hi, I'm Shannon. And I'm Perry. And this is our podcast, P.S. We, we have, have orders. orders. Good morning, Perry. Hi, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, Will left to go TDY, so I'm doing laundry and cleaning up the house, and then tomorrow I'm going to buy just like a bunch of fish and vegetables so I can just eat fish and vegetables for the next week while he's gone. So he's nowhere cool or exciting. He's just in the U.S. still, but. Doing his thing. Yeah, I got my nails done because I broke a nail. Oh, my gosh. I uh, I was helping my friend move this last week, and I dropped a box on my hand, as one does. And so it was all janky. So they had to fix that. Nice. Oh, I signed up with a therapist. Ah! Ooh. So it's like next month I start. But yeah, so for the first time in my life, I'm actually going to be going to therapy. And it does take my insurance, which is exciting. That's even more exciting. I'm going to get my anxiety under control, which is exciting for me. And then I think I'm going to work out a little bit of my grief and trauma that I'm still dealing with from my friend's suicide this last summer. So Which is a very good good idea. You got to work out stuff like that because otherwise you'll end up putting it in your baggage that you'll carry with you for a very, very right. unnecessary amount of time. Like, I know with my friend Hugh, um, we lost to drugs, alcohol, substance mm-hmm. abuse, goodness, and suicide many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. I feel like I was like, I just started driving, so I had to have been like 18 when this happened. Mm-hmm. And like, I still carry his picture out of my wallet. Mm-hmm. And it's oh, been yeah. at this point over 10 years, and it's like, I still get emotional thinking about him because it still makes me very sad because just the concept of people going down that path just I, I don't know I don't want to say it's a it's just one of those things I hold it with me and it's very sad yeah. so I get it yeah therapy is important it is yeah definitely and like not therapy so like I forget about it or whatever but no I it's just, just so you can heal and move on without it holding yeah. you back yeah I don't know if that's the best way to put that but <laughs> yeah I don't know it, one good thing I guess that came out of this was well first of all i have a severe fear of abandonment now like i have abandonment issues for sure that's great i'll never leave you perry you're stuck with me i'm sorry thank god yeah unless you die (laughs) anyways uh, i don't have that i don't have any plans for that anytime soon (laughs) but i am making more of an effort to like talk to my friends from back home more because it's kind of one of those like you can't just assume they're fine and they're always going to be there because this summer I came home and they weren't all there. So I've, I've been talking to them, you know, weekly at this point. And so that's been really good to be able to talk to them. Oh, my parents are going to come visit soon. Ooh, They'll be here in like two weeks. Um, No, they came to visit before we bought our house. So they've never seen okay. land the owning house. Perry's house. Ooh, now I'm a landowner. Being an adult. Stuff. Yeah. You're like, look at me being an adult. I mean, it's like an eighth of an acre, but I am a landowner. (laughs) But guess what, though? Hmm. It's your house, house. which you pay for. Obviously, not just you. Your husband contributes Mm -hmm. to some extent. Somewhat. But this is your space that you've now made your own with all your little fuzzy creatures that just run around and wreak havoc and pure chaos. Yes. Like, yes. It's something to be really proud of yourself with. Like I always I always say, like, you know, my co host, but AK my best friend, like mm-hmm. I am so I always speak of you saying how proud I am of you. Uh-oh. How far you come from like when I first met you. Granted, you weren't in a bad place when I first met <laughs> no, you. We I was young. just twenty when you met me. Yeah. So <laughs> But like you, know. you were working hard for your degree, but at the same time like you were working just literally flipping burgers, basically, and making burritos. No, making- not basically. Literally. I was literally <laughs> flipping burgers. <laughs> and when you look at you now, you I got know. yourself a house, a beautiful dog, a nice car. Look at yeah. you living that life. So speaking of my dog, he's in the background, so I'm sorry if everybody hears him, but he's being cute, so he's staying in here. I had a beanie baby when I was a child. That was this mm-hmm. little gray dog with blue eyes. You just eyes. had one? I had like No, 50. I had a bunch. <laughs> But it's my favorite one. And, like, I think it's in a box in that closet over there. Like, I think it's the only Beanie Baby I still have. And I realized today it looks just like Murphy when Murphy was a puppy. The universe has its way of working itself out. Also, I'm a witch. like Much like my <laughs> nail tech. <laughs> today my nail tech told me that she's a witch and that she works magic. And I love her a lot. So 
That's I awful. mean, I wish I had a nail tech that said she's a witch and does magic with nails. Yes. <laughs> I most she- of the time just get a weird look when I go, hi, I want a really creepy design. And they're just like, what? see you again. <laughs> oh, speaking of creepy things, I went to a, okay, well, this part isn't creepy, but do you remember when we were in Tokyo, the Team Labs, uh, mm-hmm. Microsoft Center, the lights and yeah. everything? I went to like a way, Was it the way Van Gogh? smaller version. Yeah, a Van Gogh that's touring. And I that saw was that really and cool. I was so envious. But then I've after been wanting that, to do that. It's awesome. After that, we went to get ice cream at this place. It's called like Clementine's Naughty and Naughty or Nice or something. I don't know. It was in the area. And they okay. had spooky vibes. Like there was like purple lights like all around their patio Ooh. and they had like spooky music playing. And I just I saw I was like, shit, I'm gonna would take like my this. money. Yeah. It was <laughs> I would great. just run and be like, can we be friends? <laughs> yes. It was I'm like, maybe I have a part-time job. I'm gonna work here. I don't know if it's like older I get, more I just embrace the spooky vibe that I've just I've like jumped into at this point, like full heartedly. But like I've gotten to the point where I'm like I don't miss living stateside, but I miss like the fun parts of stateside. Like I feel like I was if I was stateside right now, my whole house would just look like a spirit Halloween vomited. Yes. Like, it's definitely spirit Halloween season. All the closed down Toys R Us's are now spirit Halloween. Yes. I love that. Like I yeah. just I don't know. I love spooky season, obviously. I mean, I literally get jokes made at me at work now by my big boss yeah she goes she's like you're a little weird and i'm like thanks i don't know how to take this <laughs> well like, speaking of uh halloween do you want to just go right into our beautiful nmr of the week absolutely i love Perfect. it so this is a peri pick this is a peri pick i i thought about this and it's something i genuinely wanted to talk about but i'm gonna let shannon go first oh shannon what is your favorite trick-or-treat memory slash costume Okay, so trick-or-treat memory, for the most part, I've always been that weird kid that would trick-or-treat as late as I could even when I was well into high school with, like, my friends just harassing people and just Perfect. getting as much candy as possible. Right, but it's the end of the night, so they have, like, candy apples left and, like, candy corn and that's oh, it. Oh, no, we were we were that, like, we were those older kids that went out with the kids and would get okay. the full bars of candy. Like, oh, we were perfect. smart enough to go... Okay, this is the new development that has people that has money. They give out full bars oh, of candy. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You go to the so high property that. tax neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and we would be like, all right, that's fine. We will walk five miles tonight if it means that we get all the candy we want. <laughs> Heck yeah. And but probably my favorite costume because, like I've said in the past, my mom is a phenomenal lady, super crafty lady. <laughs> she used to make my costumes, like mm-hmm. from basically as long as I can remember. Up until I was old enough to kind of start throwing stuff from my closet together. Yeah. One of my favorite costumes. I don't even know why it was such a big deal. But I think one year for school, we actually were encouraged to full-blown dress up. Mm-hmm. And that was the one year out of like the 10 years I wasn't a witch that I can recall. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What were you? Um, I My mom made me a Scooby-Doo costume. Oh my god. If this doesn't throw you back to being raised in the 90s, I oh don't no, know. Oh no, I love does. it. I love it. Remind you, when I say Scooby Doo costume, head to toe oh, yes. costume. Like oh, yes. I had a hood that had ears. And when my mom did this, she did it with a full heart of anyone who cosplays. So if anyone knows what cosplaying is, it's basically you dress up as a character and you embody it. Mm-hmm. And. When she did this, she didn't just, like, get brown fabric and, like, throw some, like, random black triangles on it. Like, she, I'm pretty sure, pulled up the show via, wouldn't even be DVD, it was tapes. VHS, yeah. Yes. And she made sure, down to the markings, it was accurate. Because I remember her, like, being so particular about how perfect it looked. Because she's like, I know otherwise you were going to be mad at me. She just kept on saying, I knew you'd be mad at me if it wasn't right. I remember she even made me the collar. And like she used used puffy paint. Yes, she did. To make the S. Like I remember all these weird little things. And I remember she made the ears to have like the one that like crinkles over, I think. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. This was like a head to toe. There was kind of like the little glove paws on it that you could pull over your hands and pull up if you needed to use a hand. Like she went full over and remind you she made it all herself oh yeah she sewed it all herself so it was probably she made it for probably like five bucks 
my god. Yeah, like that was that's probably my favorite costumes was something that my mom made from, you know, from from hand and made with so much love and so Perry, what about you? So I grew up in a very religious family, so like they didn't like celebrate Halloween or trick or treating or anything because it was of the devil naturally. But I remember Ugh. one year, I think probably my mom was working. So my dad was like, whatever, I'm going to take my daughter trick-or-treating. And I think I went trick-or-treating one other time with a friend in her family. And that Ooh. was it. So twice in my whole life. Okay. What? Yeah. And I do not know how old I was, but I was less than 10, more than five. Somewhere okay. in there. All right. So t- to really set the story here, do you Come remember- in the early 2000s slash late 90s, there were these balls that if you, if they were, if they were sitting there, they're like small and pointy, but then when you threw them, they would kind of break out like connects. Yes. Okay. Yes. And you'd be and, able to step in them if you really you could, wanted to, but you, but you wouldn't want them to close in on you because it would hurt. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> okay. So my dad's like, I'm going to take my daughter trick or treating. I, of course, don't have a costume because I, my my parents, my mom mostly didn't support it. So my brilliant, let's call me seven-year-old self, took that ball, stepped Boy. inside of it, put like a red blanket around it, and I was a tomato. I would have thought apple, but tomato, good no, for you, girl. I was a tomato. <laughs> And that, that was my costume for Halloween. Was I was so inside of a ball with a red blankie being a tomato. And then at one point, I I think like after we hit the good neighborhood and we came yeah. back, so we just kind of like hit the few houses in the rural neighborhood I lived in. Yeah. I ended up taking the ball off because I can't sit in the car with it. And so I no. just was like wrapped in a blanket. And people were like, what are you? I'm like, I'm a dead tomato. <laughs> I'm a deflated tomato. I'm that one that you pick and pull right out. My candy. I'm a sun-dried tomato. What's up? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> oh but my yeah, God. that was that was definitely my favorite trick-or-treating memory and costume, if we're being honest. All right. So. Oh, housekeeping. Yes. yes. Foster updates. Okay. Yes. Yes. I want to yes, hear yes. it. So since our last recording, I had the two tabby cats both of them got adopted like yesterday and the day before um so i reached out to the shelter i was like hey i'm out of cats and so they were like there's three fluffy kittens that came in today do you want them i was like yes (laughs) my god you sent me snaps and i won't lie like i think if we were states i'd been like perry i'm on my way i'm taking the one in the back i know oh my god so there's two black cats but one of them has like a little white like tuft on the end of its tail In the aunt's chest. And then there's an all black girl cat. Oh, she's, her name is Gremlin. It's Gremlin and Goblin are the black ones. I want her so much. I've always wanted a little black cat because I'm a weirdo. Yeah. Then we ended up with a tricolor psycho. Yeah. Yeah. I've also never had a black cat. I think my family did like before I was born. That was the family cat. Her name is Joy. But since then, no, we haven't had one. And then there's another long-haired one. It looks like a Maine Coon kind of color. Oh, my God. I think I saw the picture and, oh, my god! Oh, goodness. he's so cute. His name he's is gonna Ghost. He's going to go quick. Yeah. He's going to go quick. Go to me. <laughs> Will was like, do you want Remember, it? I'm you like, can't foster fail. If you start foster failing, you can't do this anymore. I know. I know. So, like, as of right now, I have my dog. I have my dog, Murphy. And then I have Tubbs. And I have Woo. And then I'm also keeping... Helly Ann, the blind cat, who was adopted by my friend. My friend was, like, going to be gone this weekend, so it just made more sense for me to hold on to her for a few more days. So, um, and her name is Helly Ann, as in Hellion, because she's a little Hellion. It's precious. Anyways, so that's three cats and a dog, and then my other friends are out of town, so I'm babysitting their fully grown dog. So that's... (laughs) Two dogs and three cats, and now I have these three foster kittens. So that's two dogs and six cats. So that's eight animals in my house, plus me and Will's gone. <laughs> oh my gosh! Sorry that housekeeping was long this time, but hey, man, we're here. Do you have any housekeeping? Probably not. We didn't mess anything um, up. Um, for the most part, not really. There's not too much happening over here. Just trying to get 
school work done. Oh, I guess one fun ho- housekeeping because this is c- come out after the fact. My husband's birthday is tomorrow. So. Yay! All right. So All right, as yes. much as our housekeeping and MMR was very um, oh, yeah. fun and fluffy and cute and good, right. happy, positive. So this week, um, we should just probably put a trigger warning now. Yes. So anyone who has sensitivity to domestic violence, including physical and sexual abuse, please don't hesitate just to click off from here for now. Because this is the topic we are planning on covering due to October being Domestic Awareness uh, Month. Mm -hmm. So if you are someone who is sensitive, we won't be mad because we understand and we respect the fact that not everyone can comfortably talk about this topic. I know I had some some moments I had to put down research and step away and then come back to do it because it's a very heavy topic. Not with Sean, though. Sean doesn't be. No, 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 no. no. My husband's a saint. If anything... (laughs) <laughs> it would be the other way around <laughs> no i huge disclaimer my husband yeah. is a is a is a saint he's like, the sweetest yeah he really is i don't know how he tolerates my my psycho butt anymore like no. there's so many times i just shoot him glares and he's just like what and i'm like i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah so definitely guys if this is not the topic for you maybe just not the topic for you today don't listen um but okay. it we is something it, we understand it yeah it is something that we thought it was important not to shy away from, though, because obviously we're all spouses, so we're all in a domestic situation. And with us being affiliated with the military, it's not always easy for us to leave. Like, Shannon, right now, if you needed to get out of a bad situation, where would you go? Ooh. Right? A friend's house, maybe? Assuming you even have maybe. a friend good enough to take you in. I know a lot of people in the situation here if they have the capabilities, they A, reach out to another spouse that they semi-trust, which mm-hmm. is really hard because a lot of the times the spouses you're friends with work with the active duty member. Right, exactly. So you have that cross-friendship pool. So like, yeah. let's say a spouse calls and goes, hey, my husband's beating me in all reality. You're like, Todd would never do that. Like, Todd's a cool right. dude. You know, so it can be very hard for someone to be even willing to even step outside their comfort zone to even get help. So Absolutely. people mm-hmm. reach out to other spouses, um, key spouses, or even if you can, if you even have the capabilities, you would reach out to leadership and hope that like, right. someone, you know, a first shirt or someone would step in to help you. Because it's just, it's a really hard situation because like, I mean, I I hear about it. Sometimes how spouses get separated, Mm -hmm. how the active duty member gets sent to the uh, dorms for a little bit to cool off, I think. Yeah. While the, um, I guess, non-military spouse stays in the house with the children or by themselves. And at that point, they can pretty much decide if they want to press charges, don't press charges. Right. Well, even then, like, let's say you want to leave and go home. Like, do you necessarily have money to get back to the States? Especially if you're only a single income family. Maybe you don't have access to all the money. How are you going to get home? How are you going to get your kids safe? So You would have to apply for um, early return of dependents, which that's not a very quick process. Right, it takes exactly. A while. So for people that are in a really scary, dangerous situation, you know, it's not always easy to just leave him or just leave her. Because yeah. again, this is not only, you know, male and female by any means. Definitely... There are quite a few situations where males are going through abuse of some sort. Yeah. It's it's just a really hard topic because it's like not a lot of people want to talk about it. It's it's just like there's certain topics that people just just don't want to talk about, you know, right. even though it's, it's a uncomfortable. Huge, it's a huge issue. Right. You know, it's one of those things like we are called dependents for a reason. We are dependent upon another person, especially when we're overseas, especially when we're far away from family, especially when we move so often that we can't work that we don't have you know, a way of taking care of ourselves. Right, exactly. So, no. So, yeah. So, that's the reason we're going to talk about it, even though it sucks. (laughs) So, to kick off, I'm actually going to share, we're going to like a little bit true crimey, I guess, just for this one episode. Um, And I wanted to share a story of a military spouse that went through some really crazy domestic violence Anne was able to get through it. So if this is not for you, don't listen. But this is like an insane story that I absolutely had to tell Shannon about. And you guys get to hear about it too. And then Shannon will take over and she's going to talk a little bit more about like the data behind these kinds of things. 
So, um, I first heard the story on Dateline, but then there's also like a lot of other news stories and things that I was able to pull from. So, this is about this woman. Her name is Brigida. She was born like five or ten years before us, so probably in her early 30s now. Um, she grew up in rural San Diego, and she was very close to her family. Her family was like super uh, safety oriented. And when she was in high school, she met her future husband named Race Udo. It's a crazy spelling. Udo. He was a year younger than her and they go to the same high school, but they both did like track together. So that's how they met. She was super book smart. She was a perfectionist. And um, he was kind of the opposite of that. He was more like wild and exciting. And so she was like really enjoying life and blah, blah, blah when they got together. So he always wanted to join the military. I think special forces, but like nobody ever does that. So he ended up joining the Navy and they got married in 2014. So that was the year Shannon and I met. Yeah. 2014. Their baby followed like a year later because military spouses, we love having babies right away. It's our favorite thing to do. <laughs> but then like two years after that, Brigida ended up going to the hospital. The reason being is that she was suffering from like intense fatigue, soreness, pain, confusion, and loss of communication and loss of vision and her hair. Sketchy. Okay. Okay. So I know like a lot of these symptoms like can be attributed to like postpartum depression sy- or postpartum syndrome. And she had had a baby mm-hmm. less than like two years before. So they were kind of wondering by that like. normally works itself out. Yeah. And she was actually still fairly close to her family. Like they were in California at the time. So her family was able to like witness all of this too. So like, okay, that's interesting. She was checked for lots of things, but like the doctors couldn't find any wounds, infection or a virus or anything like that. And over the past year, she had checked herself in time and again, just to visit her normal doctor, complaining of all these symptoms and everything. But, you know, they weren't a spare at the time, opposed to when she went for the final time. It was because it was like to the point where she was like, getting to be comatose it was so bad when before they diagnosed her with cramps because we as women apparently can't have anything wrong with us other than period symptoms so that made me mad yeah they're like oh yes your vision loss it's just cramps cramps. don't worry about it i hate male doctors i'm gonna just say that right now i just start i I could go honestly. I can go on a twenty-minute rant about doctor issues of women. And yeah, yeah. Like that's actually a really big issue. You can look at you can look at statistics because women are not normally taken serious when it comes to pain. They just assume we have a lower pay tolerance, so they're just quick to insane. assume like, oh, well, you know, your fractured vertebrae is probably just cramps. You probably just have a backache. Oh, I hate you. Them. Just have a headache, honey. Here's yeah. some IV pro. It's like, no, I have a brain tumor, but thanks for not diagnosing me in time so I could die. Anyways, sorry. I have a lot of passion for that. You digress. <laughs> so in 2016, though, she had already been diagnosed with cramps. Um, at one point, they diagnosed her with some kind of like depression situation, which is why she was tired, okay? Um, but in 2016, when she went, they actually brought in a toxicologist because they were like, there's nothing, there's nothing. We don't know what's going on. And his name was Dr. LaPointe. And um, he was like super concerned. So I'm while there's someone was. Yeah. He was the only one, apparently. Um, so there's like a lot of factors that could cause these symptoms. The fact that she was losing mm-hmm. her hair made Dr. Yeah. LaPointe think of only one thing as a toxicologist. It's a really weird, extraordinary thing, but it's thallium poisoning. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Thallium, if you're not familiar, used to be used in things like rat poison or like like pest control back in the day. The problem is, is that thallium poisoning is not something that's commonly tested for. So in order yeah. for Dr. LaPointe to get a test, it was going to be like a really slow, difficult process. It's not something that they have at any lab. You have to send that out to like a special lab. Okay. So he was thinking it was going to take like at least three days to see if it even was thallium poisoning. And the thing is, if it was, that's something you need to treat like right away. Okay. So he didn't think she was going to make it till then, much less have time to wait for them to receive the antidote. 
And the thing about the antidote to thallium poisoning is it's a controlled substance. So, sidebar, Shannon. Gotcha. Do you know who Van Gogh is? Well, yeah. We okay. got cut off his ear. We just, yeah, we got cut off his ear. In the okay. name of art. Yes. Are you familiar with the painting Starry Night? It's the popular one. Of course. It's one of his most popular. Okay. Do you know how it's blue? How like, it's blue? It's Yeah, it's I mean, blue. Like the, the pig- sky the is pigments, blue. Yeah, know, yeah, the, yeah. The pigment of color. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the blue used at that time is a special blue called Prussian blue. And it makes paint. It also that's, happens. That's a drug. It also is a drug. And it is the antidote to thallium poisoning. I, By the way, I only know about that yeah. because of Chicago Med. Because <laughs> I heard the talking Med. about it. <laughs> In the universe of SVU. Sorry. Love it, love it, love it. (laughs) So it's a cure for thallium poisoning. It's also an antidote for radiation poisoning. So because of that, it is a controlled substance. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. And it's really hard to get um, because applying for the antidote for radiation poisoning is super sketchy. Like, what have you been doing that now makes you need a radiation antidote their first thing that they think of is like you're building a nuclear bomb in your basement kind of a thing okay or that you're living in an extremely unsafe area right that they should know about right yeah exactly you're living in a safe area or you're building a dirty bomb so brigida's doctor was like listen i need prussian blue and i don't have a positive test result saying i do need it but i need it anyways and they were like, okay, that's fine, but it's going to trigger an investigation because in order to, like, release Prussian blue, it triggers an investigation. Mm-hmm. On top Which of all of this, this is in California. At mm-hmm. the time, president slash president-elect Donald Trump, the brave and fearless leader, was touring that area to promote his wall campaign that we... Mm. So... They had the, like, president coming into town, and this guy is requesting a radiation antidote. So the FBI is immediately like, wait, wait, wait. Like, yeah. what is happening right now? Okay. It was, like, triggering every single alarm bell. It was, like, every single red flag possible. But this doctor, like, seriously was, like, such an advocate for his patient. He was like, no. Like, I'm going to get Like, I am not leaving until you get me this antidote. Like, I'm going to get Makes this. Sense. Okay. Because he wants so, to save her life. In the meantime, mind you, this is taking place in the three days between when the test was given and when it was finished. Brigida had pretty much slipped into like a comatose state. Like she was in so much pain. Like it hurt to move. It hurt to breathe. It hurt to open her eyes. Like she was kind of like going in and out. She pretty much lost all of her vision at this point. And it was, it was bad, bad. Okay. Oh my God. So the test came back positive. All right. But they were able to get her the treatment for her. Um, she was also started on dialysis because the doctors Makes weren't sense. sure that even with the antidote, she was even going to make it at this point because it yeah, had been to, so need long. need to pull the toxins from her bloodstream if it's possible. Yeah. So this also caused, um, her son and her husband to be tested for radiation poisoning and thallium poisoning. Makes sense. Because it's probably environmental. Like, you know, yeah. she's probably getting it from somewhere. Maybe she was using a cleaning product at work. Or at home. But the first place you test is your home. Because, you know, they asked the husband, like, did she poison herself via thallium? And he was like, nah. Okay. So, this then sent a team, like, a hazmat team to her house. Okay. And a detective then, like, searched the entire house and didn't find anything. So, then the FBI starts looking at the husband, the military member, the guy in the Navy, Race. Which is a stupid name. Race. And they were like, hey, um, did you poison your wife? He was like, nah. They were like, okay, thanks for letting us know. Um, <laughs> Oy. So the thing, though, is like Brigada's came in, like the thallium, like poisoning levels came in so high. It kind of like told them that it wasn't going to be an environmental thing. Like it definitely was an intentional thing. Okay. It was in, she must have ingested in some form of way. Yeah. But since she had been having a history of coming in tired and fatigued and all that postpartum stuff, Mm -hmm. they were like, well, she's probably doing it to herself. Her husband said that he didn't do it. So she's probably doing it to herself for attention. Basically like a Munchausen situation. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
I know I know no one's no one can see it because we don't we don't record visual Things for a reason. I just I just rolled my eyes so hard. <laughs> like yeah. what? Yeah. So they were thinking Munchausen. But and her husband was like, "Well, yeah, you know, she was pretty tired." And da 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 da. And she had been prescribed antidepressants the previous like 12 months because yeah. she kept coming in with these signs of fatigue and they kept misdiagnosing yeah. her. So the family, though, came back and they were like, no, like, there's no way. My family, I mean, like her mom and her sister that she still mm-hmm. lived fairly close to. They're like, no, definitely. Like, this is not it. Like, she always wanted to have a kid. She liked her job. Da, da, da. So anyways, between the Prussian blue and the dialysis, um, the previously near catatonic Brigida finally woke up. So she was still detoxing, but she did wake up enough to answer the FBI's questions. At this point, they had already figured out it was an intentional poisoning by somebody, and it was likely her husband because there was nobody else that could have done it. She went to bat for him. She said no. Of course she did. No way. Like, can you imagine, like, being poisoned by a husband? No way. So he was, like, really attentive and was, like, taking care of her while she was sick. Like, he was the one that brought her to the emergency room in the first place. Like, when she was feeling ill, like, he would do all the cooking and, like, take care of the kid and all this stuff. So it was just like, it seemed really crazy that he would be the one that was also poisoning her. But then like they asked if there was any connection with him and poisoning. And she did admit that he had this really weird hobby of collecting poisonous plant seeds. Okay. Choices. Yep. So that in itself was enough for a actual search warrant, not just a discovery to see if there was thallium in the house, but a search warrant for him, his house and his car. So there, they did find a hidden stash of acetone and poisonous plant seeds. And then at this point, the sister chimed in and was like, hey, my brother-in-law threw away this huge trash bag and I swiped it for you guys because this is super sketchy. Um, And in that, they found everything else that he would have needed to turn his hobby into a crime. What really sealed the deal for them is that when they searched his electronics, he had had a copy of the Poisoner's Handbook, okay? Um, And then he also had, like, some other books on, like, turning, like, plants into poison and things like that. Okay. Good idea. But they didn't find any thallium, necessarily. So because of that, even though they found ways to make poison and the Poisoner's Handbook, he ended up going free. Okay? Of course he did. But... Since they were digging around his electronics, they also found out that he had a girlfriend who was under the impression that his wife was dead. And then you know what they found? Hmm. Another girlfriend that didn't know about the girlfriend. Or the so way. you're telling me girlfriend one uh-huh. thinks wife is dead. He told girlfriend her his two. wife is dead as he's okay, so as she's dying. As she's dying. Mm-hmm. Got it. And, and then we found girlfriend, girlfriend two number two. That's just like anybody. a bonus girlfriend. Oh, Jesus. Choices. Super winner. Really, really great guy for sure. Okay. So at this point, we're like, this is really sketchy. Okay. So then they polygraph him and he like walks in. I watched like the video of him getting polygraphed. He like, ca- like what's his name? Connor McGregor walks in all like haughtily, like, I got this. And the polygraph gives polygrapher Poly- polygraph yeah the poly the person that administers the polygraph he polygrapher or polygraphologist sure. I don't really know real official <laughs> like it anyways he I'm gonna go with yes because if a photographer takes photographs so I think a polygrapher would give polygraph tests that's my argument but anyways so he like sure. gives him this polygraph and he bombs. He, like, fails everything. It's like, hey, do you have anything to do with your wife's poison? Nah. And it's like, meh. Definitely not. Off the charts. Okay. So at this point, he sits down and he's like, listen, my dude. Um, we found all this and you lied about everything and we know. And this guy, he goes, yep, you're right. And literally confesses to everything right then and there. He confesses about having girlfriends. He should have just saved them. So much time and money, and been like, "Yeah, I did it." I know. He like he's so weak. He started poisoning her multiples. He was so proud of himself. He's such a narcissist. He was so proud of himself. He's like, "Oh yeah, I've been poisoning her and little like you know dopes, dopes, little doses, 
doses. He was dosing doses. her according mm-hmm. to her weight. And he just kept pushing it to see how far he could take her to being sick without her dying. And I guess so eventually. What, he was just trying to make her sick or mm-hmm. was he trying to He had a God her? complex and he was just trying to make oh, her sick. He was trying to save her. He, was a, he has a savior complex. I think like so. A, I'm going to save her. Right. And then and he would take hero. care of her and then he would slip the poison again. into her food when she started getting better. So she would get sick again. Um. So after Brigida was like confronted with all this evidence about well, her husband, yeah. she was like, oh, you know, there was this one time I was really sick and my husband made me like this breakfast sandwich in bed and I was going to give some of it to my son who was asking for it. And he like slapped it out of her hands and like screamed at her. It was like, don't you dare. So she's like, yeah, I guess he has been this whole time. Yeah. What? So he pled guilty. And he's currently suffering, I hope he would. serving 21 years to life for attempted murder. I'm glad he should be serving them. Yeah. So I just like, I just wanted to share this because domestic violence does not always look like a black eye, you know? No. And she lived, which is amazing. And I love that. And I didn't want to share a really sad story where they didn't live and she ended up divorcing him and she's she got her vision Good. back. She's growing her hair back. She seems to be doing well as of the airing of this Dateline episode that I saw. Good. And she's just like such like a little beacon of hope. It's just like, yep, I'm divorcing him and moving on. Good. I mean, I think that's one thing that's really interesting because it's like, you know, like I've been married to my husband this coming up February would be nine years. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been with my husband many years before even getting married. So like I there's someone I know who found out that her husband was cheating on her. Mind you, this is not the first time. Okay. This is just the second time. Okay. And the first thing I asked her was, well, how long long have you guys been married? Over 10 years. And I'm like, okay. And they have children. And I was like, okay, so you're planning on leaving him, right? And she she was, no, I I couldn't leave him. Like, you know, he's the father of my children. I'm like, this is the second time you've caught him cheating in the Mm -hmm. last couple of years. He's not going to stop. I don't think he's going to stop. Second thing is... You have given him the 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 uh, Permission? green light to basically continue to continue to do this behavior because you've never stopped him really, mm-hmm. and you know, and it's it's it was a very controlling situation where he decided to cut her off and everything because mm-hmm. he basically because she found out, and I'm just like, I couldn't do that even if I had, even if I had like ten kids, mm-hmm. if I was in a situation like that, I would I would willingly have to make the decision of to take care of myself yeah over petting their ego like i just i never understood that i don't understand it i i understand to the extent of well i can't leave and we've been together so long and i'm like girl you've been you've been married over 10 years mm-hmm. if you have proof that he's cheating you can take everything this is also true you get well like, they're re- they get half of your their retirement after 10 years you get I half think. after 10 years and then if you have proof of certain behaviors of like, you know, like cheating and all that, mm-hmm. you could take way more than that if you really want to. And you could be a petty, you could be a petty bee and just take it all. This is true. Depending on your choices, I guess, in that situation. Like when she told me everything, because it was one of those situations, like I wasn't even really that friendly with her. I just was like, hey man, you good? And she just like word vomited the whole situation. I just looked her with big eyes and I'm like, you're leaving him, right? Like that was yeah. the first thing I said. I'm like, you're leaving him, right? And she's like, and I'm like, what? <laughs> well, they I can't say have this that with you. people either in like cheating relationships or abusive abuse. relationships, it takes eight times. Seven times. Seven times. Yeah, it takes like seven or seven to eight times before yeah. they actually leave. Yeah, which is terrifying because you know I guess now we're gonna roll into yeah, uh, my portion of this. Take it away. Is, yeah. So, like I said, with this whole topic, um, I had to sit down a few times and actually finish this because the statistics in my eyes were alarming shocking but not unbelievable in my opinion it's almost like it's alarming but it's not surprising because it's not it's it's one of those things like i've been hearing these statistics for years yeah and when you actually look them up you go oh wow and like mind you this is over multiple different sites multiple different sources which you know we we always leave our sources in the notes yeah and none of it was it was sad but not shocking yeah so globally so Mm -hmm. this is globally one in three women experience physical 
and or sexual abuse, mostly from an intimate partner. Mm -hmm. One in three women. So everyone just think about three women that you know. Yes. One of them. And I found that statistic pretty much holds up. If I think of a group of three friends, I'm like, oh, yes, that one was raped. Mm -hmm. Group of three friends. Ah, uh, yes, that one was molested. One of three friends. Ah, uh, yes, that one had to get divorced because he assaulted her. Like, yeah. it holds it's up. It's not shocking. No, it's not. And to think that these are also statistics based on recent information. But we all know that, like, our grandparents went through a lot in silence, too. Yeah. So Because it, now... Ugh hate it i don't want to say people are speaking out now more i think they but are. there's i i think there's just more resources true and i think the way the even like the newest generation which is what gen z yeah everyone lives a, i don't want to say lives a more transparent life because that's not really true but everyone video records everything you can go on youtube and find thousands it's, of videos it's of people less talking about he it. said she said as well yeah. there's a lot more body cam footage there's a lot more security oh, yeah. cameras so there's a lot more proof opposed to well my husband beat me but he's a cop so no one's gonna believe him or no one's gonna believe me i mean there's still a lot of cases like that which is so sad because a lot of people don't go for various reasons like i know some people don't report due to fear Mm -hmm. a lot of like there's people that won't report due to the fear of not being believed fear of retaliation yeah if i say like, it'll get worse yeah or i was lucky i got away this time mm -hmm. what if i if what if i make a report because then i have to engage with them right through a court system you have to commit to that too yeah like that's a big commitment is i'm going to leave i'm going to take my family i'm going to run i'm going to start over i'm going to have to be the provider da, da, da. and also our Lord and Savior Mariska Hargitay on Law and Order SVU, she had a line in an episode once that stuck with me. She goes, there's no such thing as a perfect victim. So he no. hit you, but yeah, I started the fight. Or, okay, he punched me, but I yelled at him. Or I slapped him first. Or he assaulted me, but I was drunk and I started it. So, like, there's so many times people don't report for, like, that reason. And yeah, it's, various like, details. And, like, you need to know, like, if you're in a situation, like, there is no such thing as a perfect victim, okay? Like, it's not, you don't have to be completely blameless and innocent in order for that to still be a crime. Even if you started it. If if you slapped him and he beat you up, what he did is still illegal. It doesn't matter. That's yeah, what it's, I have to say. It's assault. It's still, mm -hmm. it's, it's not okay. You can't right. turn around and close fist punch someone in the face and say it's okay. Like, it's just not. Right. So here are different statistics that I pulled. On yes. average, close to 20 people per minute are physically uh, abused in the United States. I hate that. So one year estimates to be more than 10 million women and men being abused. Wow. Wow. I hate it. Now I didn't say why I had to like take a breather, step yeah. away, come on back. Because I, I would read this and have to process it. Because yeah. I'm typing it. Right. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to go get a glass of wine right now. <laughs> Take a breather. <laughs> and yeah. here's another interesting one. I can't even say interesting because it's all. One in four women and one in nine men experience severe intimate partner physical abuse, intimate partner sexual violence, and or an intimate partner stalking um, that will impact with injury, fearfulness, so being stalked, it's, you know, mm -hmm. you're scared. Yeah. Causing PTSD. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously assault, sexual assault could lead to STD transmission. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's that's a good one. You know, one in four and then one in nine. Yeah. So same article, same information polled. Mm -hmm. One in three women, one in four men experience more, uh, some form of physical violence by an intimate partner. So when we, when we say physical violence, we're referring to slapping, shoving, pushing in the case of, um, in many cases, may not be even considered domestic, uh, domestic violence. Hmm. Wow. Some people might not even count it as that. Yeah. And then one in seven women and one in 25 men have been injured by an intimate partner. That kind of goes back to the, you know, hitting and shoving and hurting. Yeah. One in 10 women have been raped by an intimate partner. I Data totally is unavailable that. on male victims. I believe that so much, and mm -hmm. I hate that. So I feel like that's much. higher personally. For some weird reason, in some corners of the world, and even in the United States still, some husbands do not believe raping their wives is rape. 
do they believe it's not rape because they're married and i hate to say this is that some people hold that belief that would be people you'd go to for reporting mm-hmm. when will went to tech school the second time around he went with a guy that i don't even know how it came a conversation i wasn't there but he told them he's like Oh, yeah, like, you know, I'm always going to get some, you know, good thing I'm married because they can't say no. And they were like, wait, you know that she can say no, right? And he was like, no, when she's your wife, you can do whatever you want. Like he, this was 2018, wholeheartedly believed yeah, that your certain. wife can't say no to you. And, and in some states, couldn't tell you which one's off the top of my head. I just happen to know this. In some states, that's still a law. I believe federally until 1993, a wife could not claim rape against her husband. Until 1993. I was born in 1993, Shannon. Yeah. It's, it's, but I think this also goes back to the I issue I hate the patriarchy. Of, but this goes back to the issue of why people don't report. Right. Because what are you going to do when you go to the hospital for a rape kit? Right. They're gonna they they have to ask questions. They have to go. Hey, who did this to you? And you can't be like, oh yeah, you know the guy who dropped me off. My husband, he did this. The guy's in the waiting room. The guy that's in yeah. the room with me because yeah, things got out of hand and now I'm yeah. bleeding. Yeah, I hate it's, the patriarchy. It's like I said, this is a really heavy topic. So I'm sorry, anyone who's still here. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> Thank you for honestly, guys. I'd recommend just stop listening. This is all terrible. All right, so. <clears throat> One in ten high school students have experienced physical physical violence from a partner in the last year alone. Oh. Yes. Wow. That was from high school another students. site. I'm not surprised. I'm not either. I'm not surprised. Because yet again, I'm actually shocked it's that I would think it'd be even possibly higher because yet again, you're going to go into the issue of not reporting. Mm-hmm. So we're going to shift gears and go to, towards stalking. Oh, good. Yeah, good stuff. Mm-hmm. So I only pulled one from from stalking. So 19.3 million women and 5.1 million men in the United States have been stalked in their lifetime. Uh, 60.8% of women st- uh, stalking victims and 43.5% men uh, reported being stalked by a current or a former intimate partner. Wow. You know, keeping things safe. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind... So yet again, we're referring yet again to SVU because this is our life. Yes. Um, how many times do you always hear about how the laws seem to always protect the stalkers? Well, because the laws just can't keep up. The thing is with stalking is it's not it's hard to necessarily illegal. It's not well, it's illegal to, to call somebody. It's not illegal to text somebody. It's not illegal to drive by somebody's house. It's not illegal to sit in a booth in the place where they work. These things aren't illegal unless you take out a restraining order. And restraining orders are hard to Which get. Which takes time. And and they take time. Not to mention, when you get a restraining order, you have to give them your address. So if you've moved to get out of a bad situation and you choose to get a restraining they order, they now know your address because they have to – I mean – like, by law, they have to know where to avoid. And yep. most restraining orders are only good for a year. Some are good for five mm-hmm. years. So that means Which you means have to Which means you'd have appealing. to go back and redoing. Yeah. You have to keep on yeah. getting it renewed. Yeah. Also, if- It just turns into an issue. If you have a stalker and they eventually do commit a crime, that's the only time people care, honestly. Mm-hmm. And then they're in jail. Most assault and stalking charges are good for like a year. So every year you have to go because they're going to get an appeal and you have to go year after year and make your case about why what they did to you you're like you can't move on. So a lot of people don't even report it because they would rather move. They'd rather hide. Mm -hmm. They'd rather get a security camera. They'd rather pay out of pocket to get away. Yeah. I just don't feel like this system is there to keep people safe at that point. Yeah, and, and that's so frustrating. That's not even me- like to mention like cyber stalking as well because that's a whole oh God, no, new no. thing that the law hasn't even yep. tried to begin making laws about. No, and it's really frustrating. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're going to continue with this uh, good information. Mm-hmm. A little bit more information just in sexual assault itself. One in five women and one in, uh, one in 71 men in the United States have been raped in their lifetime. Yep. Yeah, again, not surprising to me mm-hmm. whatsoever. Almost half of uh, half of females, mm-hmm. so forty six point seven percent, and 
for male, uh, 44.9% of victims of rape in the United States were raped by, uh, by someone they know. 45.4% of uh, female, female rape victims and 29% of male victims were raped by an intimate partner. So we're just going to shift gears to mm-hmm. how to spot domestic violence or mm-hmm. even just red flags in general. Okay. So this was pulled from a site, um, unwomen.org, which, by the way, I want to highlight really quick. They were a really good site for information, but not only that, they had a breakdown of, I don't believe it was, I don't know if it was every country, so don't quote me, a lot of countries with all their hotlines. Mm-hmm. So especially for military women or even men, if you're in a foreign country, you could probably find, possibly find where you're located to be able to find the hotline if you need it. So for red flags, keeping tabs on everything you do with people you see. So when I say keeping tabs, it isn't like, oh yeah, I know my husband's off grocery shopping. No, it's to the point where they have to know what you're doing in every minute, every day, everything. And that includes who you're seeing. So mm-hmm. this could be family. It could be friends. Like, let's say you go to your mom's house for two hours when you said you're only going to be there for an hour. Mm-hmm. They would probably have a meltdown because you were away for that long and you didn't tell them you are going to be there for that long. Yeah. Well, can so, I just add, like, and this mm-hmm. is not to say domestic violence ever happened because I don't know. But Shannon, you and I know, I can think of two people specifically that we have been stationed with at different points that they had husbands that wanted to know where they were every second of the yes. day. And I know for both of us, we talked about it. It set off so many alarm bells. Yeah. And I even told you, I said, I am scared about what's happening in that house because she mm-hmm. is afraid if she misses a call, if she missed a text message, she would freak yep. out. Yeah. And I hate to- She was worried about the consequences. I really hope that we are completely off key and they're just really codependent. But yeah, I've seen that yeah, before. Yeah, because this is when you kind of get into unsettled. this muddy, muddy water right. of- is it just codependency issues or is it sincerely domestic violence possibly right. in a stages of, of brewing? Right. Or are they just really codependent and just have a really toxic relationship? Exactly. And in this situation, we were in a foreign country and it's like we would be the people she would have gone to if she needed yep. help. And we're looking at red flags. And again, like, never saw him do anything to her ever. But he wasn't around much because he worked Except for when he would crash girl nights because he couldn't handle the fact she was out without him. Do you not remember those? Or the other one I'm thinking of would make her leave and go back to the house to make him a sandwich. Yeah, Because he couldn't handle that. (sighs) Anyway, sorry. Like I said before, my husband's a saint and doesn't care. Yeah, I know. Mine doesn't know where I am most of the time. It's fine. Exactly. Yeah. So, like I said, keeping tabs mm-hmm. and encourage, um, disencouraging connections with anyone outside of them. Meaning, and if not you remember, yeah, we're no longer friends with her because yep. we kept on pointing out all these issues. She did not like that, or he did not no. like that. Somebody he did, did not, not like, like that. that. So, going actually into what Perry just said, which was a partner who mm-hmm. insists on replies right away via text, emails, calls. It doesn't doesn't matter they expect if they text you they expect a response mm-hmm. you know if they call you they expect you to pick up mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're possibly in a dead zone they're gonna f- flip their lid if you're not picking and it's up. your it fault does not if matter. you're in a dead zone too which is yeah. so oh, oh well, hate, then how I dare you be in a dead zone that. that doesn't exist anymore that's not real right another interesting thing is requesting all of your passwords for all of your social media accounts mm-hmm. all accounts emails and so forth so that if they can't even keep tabs on you via text call and so forth they can just log into your Facebook or log into your social media or log into your, to your, what is it, Snapchat, like yeah. whatever it is to find you. Right. That's, that's some stalking, stalking mm-hmm. territory in my opinion. And another thing that was another really big red flag is that some abusive partners may show jealousy, mm-hmm. such as accusing you of cheating. Which is funny because I like most of the time it's them that are doing the cheating, but yeah. mm-hmm. that's just in my personal experience but, of what I've seen, but whatever. Yeah, personal experience, it's always interesting because they'll be the one that accuse it. Mm-hmm. In all reality, they're the ones who are cheating, but God forbid if you bring that factor up, like, well, what are, what are you doing? Right. But then they just gaslight you because abusers love gaslighting. Yeah. Same thing with that, like the jealous behavior, the controlling of money, meaning mm-hmm. that they are controlling what you spend. Right. Even if you are the, even if you are the breadwinner of that family, mm-hmm. they take all of your income and they control how it's spread yeah. out how it's used 
Meaning like, let's say you're the one who's bringing in all the money, but they go, okay, you have a $20 allowance. Yep. I've seen that too. And that's yet again, terrifying stuff, especially if you are in a military situation where you probably overseas, you're probably not the breadwinner. You probably don't have access to the money. You know, they can at any time move where their money goes and you are left with nothing. Mm -hmm. Everyone have a secret credit card that they don't know about. Okay. (laughs) Everybody PSA. It's really easy to get a credit card. Just don't use it unless there's an emergency. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) That's Perry's PSA. Yes. And then another thing was being controlling over medication and even birth control. It comes back to, well, if you have a baby with me, you can't leave me. Because yet again, you're so codependent on them because they cover, they take care of your income. They take care of everything. You have no connections with anybody. It is their way of isolating people. Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest, scariest thing is that when you watch possibly even friends or even acquaintances start going down this path. You go, wait, that's not right. Right. And that's a red flag. That's that's some that's some sketchy territory. Mm-hmm. And one thing that is terrifying, in my opinion, is temper. Mm-hmm. Quick to anger and uncontrollable. Mm-hmm. Like when they go off, they go the F off. Mm-hmm. Holes in the wall, smashing stuff. Um, right. And then the best part is blaming you for the outburst. That's a very big sign. So it's like you there's lots of others. You're a- it's yes. not my fault for reacting to you. You it's not I statements. This. It's you statements. Yeah, yeah. So one thing I do want to highlight is hotlines. Yes. So if you are in a situation like this and you need to get help, mm-hmm. one is one eight hundred seven nine nine seven two three three or one eight hundred seven nine nine safe. Which is interesting because we live in this day and age. They offer, they also offer you can text yes say or start to eight eight seven eight eight to start dialogue. Great. And like I previously highlighted, this site um, unwomen.org has a massive list. I didn't I didn't want to sit here and list all of them because I probably yeah. would have listed almost every country yeah. or a majority of countries of hotlines to contact. Yeah. Um, I know this is a topic that. You, I mean, if you look at the statistics, there's a pretty good chance you probably know someone who is, right. who's a survivor. Right. Not a victim. That's true. And you, absolutely. And then also, like, we had our conversation with the key spouse not that long ago. If you don't even feel comfortable having this conversation with a hotline, maybe you're overseas, maybe you don't feel it's safe to use your phone, you can reach out to your key spouse. And they yeah, will and just get say, hey, let's get a cup of coffee. With the first, yeah, exactly. And they will get in touch with the first year. And the military... Yep. Can protect you, for sure. Um, so, But the issue is starting the dialogue first. Yeah, absolutely. Which so. isn't always possible. <sighs> but yeah, um, thank you for being here still. Yes. <laughs> Perry, do you have anything you want to take away? Any final notes on this? Just to reach out is all I got. Just start a conversation. That's my last note. And um, I need to watch some, something happy now. You need to go watch, go play with your kittens. Yeah, I'm going to go play with my three fluffy kittens. That Since we started recording, I've gotten two applications for them already. So I don't think that they're going to be here for very long. <laughs> well, I mean, they're gorgeous. I like know. The pictures you sent me, I'm like, if we were stateside, I probably would have very drove to your ass and be like, scoop, this is mine now. <laughs> oh, they're both for the same kitten, though. Oh, God. Fight to the death. Oh, wait, I think it's the Fight. same family. No, they're just both in the same town. Anyways. Oh. All right. Well, I'm going to go off and do my foster parent duties. Shannon, you go do your birthday cake duties and your mac and cheese duties. Um, we'll just give a special shout out to Shannon's husband. Happy birthday. I don't know if he wants everyone to know how old he is, but it's a big birthday. Oh, I, I already said 30th. Yeah. So happy 30th birthday. <laughs> Our cats are out of the bag, which is really crazy considering that we've been together since high school. So I was with him. Turning 18, turning 21, yeah. 25, and now 30. And I'm like, oh y'all are God. old now. Old? Doesn't even begin to feel it. I already penciled in my meltdown for 30 for next year. Dude, my back hurts all the time, and I'm not even <laughs> I'm not even 28. <laughs> yeah, nothing's better when you bend over and you hear both your knees like crack, and you're just like, yeah, for I'm sure. not even 30. This is cruel. Oh, yeah. Well, all right, guys. Thank, thank you, you, everyone, for listening. Yes, and we will talk to you guys in two weeks. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to PS We Have Orders podcast. If you ever want to reach out to us, you most definitely can. You can find us over at Instagram at PS We Have Orders podcast. Also, we have a Gmail that is PS We Have Orders podcast at gmail.com. If you ever want to leave us a review, feedback, or even any ideas for future episodes, please let us know. If you're listening to us on an app that allows you to leave us a review, please do. It helps us out a lot. Thank you for listening again. Bye!